Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Bees Radio Network podcast. Episode number 25. We are in the middle of February. We're a little bit later than usual on the schedule. We're just going for the record of having a podcast come out on every day of every week. One weekend, we'll be super efficient and get it out on a Monday. Uh, one man who unfortunately wasn't able to join us at the Hive last weekend, but he's here on the podcast now. Mark Denham, how are we? Hello, Graham. I am very, very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it has taken me uh, a long week to recover from the four-point uh, weekend against Telford. It didn't really. Uh, Monday, I was terribly ill. Uh, I had to take a day off work, actually, and that was going to be our recording day, and it took a little while for me to get over. Life got in the way, but here we are, Thursday night, yeah. ready, for a, ready for a podcast Friday. Well, let's do it. <laughs> Hello, it's Dave. Always... Sorry it's Hello, been so Dave. late. Sorry, I'm sorry to Mitch. Hello, well. Mitch. Mitch did as well, yeah. Sorry about this. <laughs> He's caught us in the middle of the air and now he's just waiting for his podcast for trips into London. But yes, we are here uh, and it's going to be a good one this week, I can feel, because it's unbelievable to say that it took this team until the middle of February to record their first point, four point weekend. And it's even more incredible to think that it came against the league leading Telford Tigers, an emphatic victory on home ice. Uh, three times getting themselves into two goals advantages and holding on to complete the 5-3 win and then the next night up in Shropshire upsetting the locals in a packed barn it has to be said full credit to Telford there's been times where I've gone up to watch the Tigers play teams and there's been not a soul in that building it was packed to the rafters a great contingent of Bees fans also made the trip up there as well and they were treated to an overtime victory Dominic Goodbye scoring the winner but that's just one part of the story of what was an incredible game really it has to be set up there now mark you were obviously having to watch from afar and you were sort of relying on the beach radio network and you were relying on uh, messages coming in on social media i'm just trying to imagine like obviously a lot of people were there and were, were seeing it unfold before their eyes what was it like for you with that little bit of distance do you know what? I I must apologize. Uh oh, Richard from Beast TV and I, we always have our little prediction before the weekend. And I sold this team short because I said to Richard, it's gonna be a three-point weekend. And he said, Are you sure? I said, Yeah. I said it'll be three points minimum this weekend. And I have to say, obviously, Saturday there is the Bees Radio Network coverage, which I thought you were fantastic on flying solo. Oh, you're um, so yeah, like you know that five has been well received now. Uh, but no, I thought that you know it's great to be able to listen on Bees Radio Network, and the job of any radio commentator is to paint a verbal picture so you feel that you're at the game. And I think that that was so 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 much easier. Some people do berate the fact now that we don't do home Twitter updates. I think it's so much easier to follow on Saturday following the actual live commentary where you are describing every play, every person and every, you know, pass and every position. And that's brilliant. On Sunday, it's so much tougher when you're following it on Twitter, because obviously I've done Twitter commentary. You've done Twitter commentary. There are periods in a game where everything happens and you're struggling to tweet it. And then there are other periods, maybe for two or three minutes, where nothing actual worthy of posting an update happens. And to you or to me doing the Twitter commentary, that makes perfect sense. But I now realize to somebody sat at home, you're thinking, well, what's going on? Like, you know, how long's left now? What's going on? Especially when you get to the end of the game, you're getting towards yeah, the end yeah. and you're thinking... <laughs> Why is there no update? What's going on? Has anybody scored? Is there a penalty? What? And I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking that, but I'm knowing in the back of my head, but then Graham is going to be posting. If there's a goal, Graham will tweet it. If there's a penalty, Graham will tweet it. But it is hard when you're sat at home yeah. and you are, you know, like all that distance away from Shropshire. It is hard following it on social media. And then you send me the, uh, the graphic <laughs> for the end of the third period. I was like, Oh no, overtime. And I, do you know what? My first thought was, oh no, overtime, single goal loss. Could it be? Could it be? Could I actually be right with the three point prediction? 
because I did say to Richard when we spoke on Sunday morning, I said, you know, because he obviously went, he filmed the game and I wasn't there Saturday. And I said to him, Richard, I'm going to revise my prediction now to four. I'm going with the full four. Ooh. And he said to me, you really? I said, yeah. So I'm going with the full four. I'm backing them to do it this weekend. And then when it got to overtime, I was thinking, oh, no, it can't be, can't be a single goal loss, an overtime loss. It cannot be. And that was my first reaction. I thought, wait a minute. Hang on a minute. We're in the ascendancy here. Adam Goss has come back from injury. He's got two out of three man of the matches in his three starts since he's back from injury now. So, you know, well done to him. Great yep. stuff to him. And, uh, you know, like the team is finally hitting form. And when it got to overtime, I thought, you know what? We've probably got the slightly better chance in this one, even though they are the league leaders. We've clearly got them rattled across the duration of the weekend. I am backing us to have the better chance in overtime, so I am quietly confident. And then in came the tweet I wanted. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was it was one, to be fair, you're talking about how long you have left in the game. For those of you who've never been to Telford before, there's only one clock on the wall on Telford, and that is tucked up right against the wall, flat from where I was standing, because obviously I wanted to let the Bees fans have the better view of the clock. They're, they're, they're much more important. So I had to tuck myself in the corner, but as the clock was ticking down, even I had no clue what time was lost. I had to shout across and go, can I have a time check, please? And the first time people were looking at me like I'm bizarre, but then I think people began to realise what was happening and I was every stoppage. I was very grateful to the fan base who were there who were shouting it across. And as you say, it's that awful situation of, I want to send a message, but you, you want to update with information, not just, oh, four minutes to go, but it's nothing's hard, happened. It's hard, isn't it? Doing commentary so hard. is hard. I mean, and no one's perfected it, and no one's perfected it across any club in this country, yeah. Twitter up. There are those who are the big fans of, all I want is goals, penalties. I don't want any commentary around the moment. You then have something like the Basingstoke account, which is almost too in-depth at time and blurs the line between opinion and fact. Uh, and there are those that like that, and there are those that don't like it. And it's really hard to gauge what is the right way to do on Twitter. I, especially in a game like that, have done that Basingstoke Twitter commentary before, <laughs> and I, I have always tried to keep it subjective. Right. I've always tried to keep opinion away. Yes, I will try and describe. And I've done this like last year in Bracknell as well when we did the Twitter updates before the advent of Bees Radio Network. I will try my hardest to describe what is going on, how a goal came about, uh, perhaps what led up to a fight or something like that. Or I will try my hardest to describe in a subjective manner how a penalty came about. But I've always tried to keep it to a description of the facts. And I always believe that the club official Twitter account, be you any club in any league, should always be full of the facts. And if you want to debate it later on your own Twitter account and discuss the opinions, that's the place to do it on your own Twitter account. But keep the, keep the facts on the club Twitter account where people can just have a look and see, right, this person scored at that time and there was a penalty here and there was this there. You know, not this was a ridiculous penalty or that was a, a totally uncalled for. That I don't think clubber accounts are the place for that. But even so, you know, I, I do like the, the kind of commentary style. As long as it's kept to the <laughs> facts, I like that. And I thought what you did on Sunday was great because obviously the one thing I will say is you dropped the thread, didn't you, on Sunday? Yes. Which then means that because if you post a thread, I get notified of the first tweet that you post and that's it. Not of yeah. any other reply to it. And I'm there, then sat there, like, oh, refresh, 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 refresh. Whereas Sunday, I was just looking at my phone and watched them all pop up on the notification screen. Doesn't like ease the tension when it gets towards the end of a close game or goes into overtime. But it's nice that they are then just back popping up again and you know exactly where you are. Yeah. And this, that and the other. So, yeah, top job on the radio commentary Saturday and the Twitter commentary Sunday. Well done, mate. Well, the thing about the Fred is an interesting point. The Fred I prefer personally because it cleans it up, in my opinion. I dislike when I wake up to go to work the next morning and I open up my Twitter account and the first thing I'm being told is, oh, Harvey Stead's got a tripping call at this time in the game. One, one yeah. has, and that happened seven or eight hours ago. But I think it works the other way. It's and a it works Twitter perfectly. issue, though, that one, isn't it? Exactly. Like, it's the I algorithms. Mean, yeah. I, I've seen it before on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. You all of a sudden get, oh, Harvey said got a tripping call. Oh, no, he didn't. That was two or three. Yeah. Sorry about that, Harvey. Sorry, Mitch. 
Um, <laughs> but no, if all right, let's just pick somebody else then. Somebody else got a tripping call. And you're thinking, no, that was two or three days ago now. And that, I mean, that is one thing, like going off topic. That's one thing that massively annoys me about social media, yeah. Instagram in particular. You oh, cannot God, yeah. set on Instagram the fact that you want to see things in chronological order. You have to make do with what they deem to be the order you want. You have no say in it. And I guess it's now kind of becoming the same with Twitter, isn't it, where you open up Twitter on a Wednesday and you find out that a player got penalised for tripping two and a half days ago or whatever. You're thinking this is silly, but... No, so I mean we should, try, we should try it with Bees TV, shouldn't we? We'll we'll, we'll put the fifth goal first, yeah. then we'll put the third goal, then we'll put the fourth, then the second, then the first. Like, yeah, it makes more sense that way. But we'll release we? the first goal on Wednesday, so everyone's <laughs> had a chance to digest everything else first before they get to see the first goal. That's just the way forward on this one. Um, just to quickly round up the weekend, very quickly for me, there's just three points I want to hit. Uh, firstly, it was probably the most aggressive performance I've seen from the Bees all season. Hits galore across the ice, spread across the team as well. Not like it's one guy running around on a one-man mission. Everybody contributed to that performance across both days. And maybe that's a sign. We're rolling into this time of the year when you can, the aggression level, the speed of the game just picks up a little bit. And maybe that's going to help us as other teams. And I think when we've played the Steel Dogs on the two occasions this season, what I'm about to say sounds bizarre, but the Steel Dogs play quite a slow tempo game. It's quite methodical in what they try to do. And I think we can fall into that trap quite easily because we're a team that, needs to work hard it needs to be aggressive it needs to be uh, across the ice it needs to if you get a team that's a little bit more methodical i think we we can occasionally fall into that trap so this weekend when the tigers were coming out with great intensity against us and it's happened with swindon and it's happened with peterborough when we play those teams that seems to bring the best of our team out that seems to fall almost into our game plan and the way the team is set up to play um, just want to move on you to know, two when other, you describe sorry. that just very very quickly I can kind of understand that because Rich and I used to play snooker regularly and Richard knew the kind of game I wanted to play and the minute he'd get into a defensive game of snooker he knew he had me because I don't have the patience for that at all <laughs> like the first time there's even a fraction of a chance I'm going for it and he knows if he can engage me in a safety battle he's got me so I can kind of understand that you know because Obviously, hockey players are a team, but they're also individuals. And they all have, you know, like, a, I guess like an, an attacking nature, don't they? You want to go out there. You want to play a hard game. You want to play your game. And it is difficult sometimes, isn't it, to adapt to some teams that play a totally and utterly different system to you play at a totally different pace, and you can get badly caught out by it. Yeah, and you, it's, yeah, as you're, you quite rightly say there, it really is. I feel that when we play those quicker-paced teams and we're moving to the stage in the season where the game's going to be quicker, it is going to just bring out that little bit more from us. And by the way, if we ever played a snooker match, it would be a terrible game because I'm exactly the same as you. Um, just complete frustration, have to play at speed, can't do any of the safety stuff. Um, just I quickly- can do it for maybe one or two shots, but that's me done then. <laughs> I, I just get to the point, this is boring now. There's a yeah. chance. This is boring. Take that chance. Exactly. Like and unfortunately, that. my potting is not as good as it once was. <laughs> so that chance is then missed and I've lost the frame. Oh, well, well, uh, what, one guy who isn't losing the frame at the moment is Adam Goss at the moment, as you said, rightly mentioned earlier on in his return from injury. He's picked up a man of the match award on each weekend. Uh, on Sunday in Telford, he was uh, supreme at times. There's a pad safe to glove, com glove combination, sorry, that I'm looking forward. I'm hoping the Tigers are going to put out on their replay because it really does deserve full credit in the world for what for what it's done. It is also full credit to the D around him as well. I think, I think now you're beginning to see the cohesive unit that we were hoping to see back there throughout the season look there's no doubt that um i'm going to throw a question that someone else asked me the other day to you and this is another one random question out of nowhere who would you rather take in net at the moment the so-called best net minder in the league that is jordan marr yeah or would you take adam goss adam goss is the form keeper right now isn't he and i don't want to put the commentator's curse on it but touch wood he's fit and he's healthy again now and he is the form keeper in the league right now so I would back Adam Goss if I was the coach and I had to pick one of those two 
If I had them both sat on my bench, I would be starting Adam Goss because he is the form keeper right now, I think, in the league. Yes, Jordan Marr is having a great season, but I think Adam Goss right now is the in-form hot goaltender of the moment. So yeah, yeah I, would, I would go with him, definitely. And also the fact with um, Adam at the moment is I do like to think I'm touching wood desperately in my kitchen. I'm on location today. I'm, I'm recording in my <laughs> kitchen today rather than uh, upstairs in the usual studio. I'm making the most of uh, being, having a bit of freedom in the house. Um, but uh, yeah, it, right now, um, Adam Goss, I do think when the game goes on the line, he's also the one that's more likely to deliver. I think with Jordan at the moment, you've seen some very well. I know he's coming back from an injury as well. Um, so I do think right now, yeah, you would take Adam. And just one final point as well, and it actually comes around to the point you made earlier on about, you know, when you're doing the social media updates, you want to keep opinion off social media. Um, I made reference to what I thought was a terrible hit in the game against Telford uh, that was thrown by McKinnon on goodbye. I genuinely did think goodbye was going to be in a little bit of danger because the hit was through the numbers, driving the guy basically face and chest first into the board while arching his back and at force. Uh, I know that McKinnon picked up a match misconduct for this. It wasn't downgraded on the signed off game sheet. So it has remained a match misconduct. So I believe there will be an automatic penalty assigned to this. But I'm going to be interested to see when it goes for review. And I'm going to put a bet on it right now. The EIHA will hand out ooh, four games for the four hit. Four games, yeah. <laughs> and then there might be some toss-up points because McKinnon has picked up a lot of penalty points this season as well. And that's going to be a big miss for the Tigers. They're down on bodies quite Bradley, Brandon Whistle didn't play Saturday after warming up. He played Sunday, but he... Oh, he's not even at 70%, that kid. Uh, McKinney's obviously suspended at the moment. Scott McKenzie is played uh, on Sunday and really shouldn't have played. We have to be blunt and honest about this. Jonathan Weaver is still a long-term injury prospect. Jason Silverthorne scored twice on Sunday, but he took a couple of big hits on Saturday and Sunday and didn't look entirely keen. And now you add into this, sorry, Ross Mitchell also picked up a what looked like a concussion during the game on Sunday, and we wish him all the best. And hopefully he's going to recover pretty quickly from that one. And there's no long term damage to that one. And now you add in that there's a potential for their other star man in McKinnon to be having to take some time out through suspension. It's making it very interesting at the top of that table. Even more so, there's two points in it between the Tigers and the Wildcats and they play on Saturday in Swindon. Yeah, the Wildcats had a four-point weekend last weekend against the Bison, while the Tigers had a zero-point weekend. <laughs> I spoke to um, I spoke to Lee Richardson after we played Swindon, after we beat Swindon, and he said to me, "Can't help feel, but you know, we've kind of thrown, you know, uh, an opportunity to close the gap on the Tigers there. You know, like taking nothing away from you guys, I can't help feel that we should have got closer to the Tigers. Well, they've done it." This weekend, yep. a four-point weekend versus a zero-point weekend, a tiny gap now in that table. And as you say, they meet this weekend. But what Telford Tigers team do the Swindon Wildcats meet? That's going to be the question, exactly. isn't it? With the injuries and the potential suspensions that could be handed out as well, the uh, mandatory, it seems, four games, which is handed <laughs> down by the EIHA for absolutely everything, it seems now. It doesn't matter what you do. Four games, Four games it is. Yep, we can just just book your holiday. If you want two weeks off, just throw a dangerous hit. That'll only get you for two weeks off. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, as you say, we'll, we'll roll through the table, I think. Now, we Hang gonna, on one we're moment. Gonna, we're going to roll up the music, are we? And now, live with the table, here's Graham. Perfect. Look at that for a lead-in. Um, anyway, In right. one... Tigers with 43 games played, 62 points on the board following a zero-point weekend. In two. I'm strictly incorrect there. Tigers got a one-point weekend. Wildcats close behind them, though. The same amount of games played with 43, but just the two points off them. In three. Probably the form team in the league right now haven't lost in their last nine. It's the Peterborough Phantoms. They've played 42 games, so one less than the top two but have 54 points on the board. In four. The Pirates, 41 plays, 49 points. In five. It's that side from down the M3. They also have 49 points, but have played one more game. In six. 
the Steel Dogs, who are sneakily putting a little bit of a run together. 42 games played, 47 points. In seven. Another team in a good run of form. I think it's four or three wins on the bounce of them. It's the Milton Keynes Lightning. They have played an extra game than the Steel Dogs, but they find themselves on 46 points. And our favourite team in eight. In eighth is those bees, unbelievably, according to some. 35 points in 42 games. In nine. Oh, how much joy did I have tweeting that at the end of the game? The I like Raiders in 42 points. Straight away, there was a few like on the fence about that one. I enjoyed that a lot. Ninth place Raiders, 42 played, 34 points. Just a point off the playoffs. And in 10. In 10, they've played the least in the league. That is the Leeds Chiefs, 24 points. So win the two games in hand. They're still within striking distance of the Raiders and co, but a long way to go in those final 12 games of the season. Now let's just roll up very quickly what people can look forward to across the country. Before you roll that up, can I just say I loved that tweet. On Sunday night, the ninth place Raiders will be at the Hive on Saturday. I love that. But this, uh, just, you know, we're going to come on to this in a moment. That makes this weekend now even more exciting. I'm not going to say any more because we will look at it in a moment, but it does make this weekend even more exciting in uh, Berkshire (laughs) and in Essex as well. Yeah, I hadn't actually mentioned on the whole tweet. I was too excited by us one winning, two getting the four-point weekend. I decided not to mention the league table to do with us, so I went, well, here's an opportunity. Just put it in there. You set it up, I'm going to hit it out of the park. Anyway, let's look at the fixtures across. It's a full weekend of fixtures, both Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Saturday, obviously, the big one in Berkshire as the Bees take on the Raiders. We've already mentioned that the top two will go to battle in Wiltshire as Swindon take on Telford. It's Basingstoke against Leeds, Milton Keynes against Hull and Sheffield against Peterborough. Now, obviously, like we're talking about this, you look between fourth down to seventh in the table. There is just three points separating those sides. And we are moving into a playoff scheme where it is a group stage. So one, four, five and eight will go into a playoff compared to two, three, six and seven. Now, if the, if the league finished today, if the league stopped right now, The playoff groups would be the Tigers, the Pirates, the Bison, and the Bees. And then the other group would be the Wildcats, Phantoms, Steel Dogs, and Lightning. So, to me, the other group, the one of Wildcats, Phantoms, Steel Dogs, Lightning, that is a group of death. That is going to be whoever wins through if the league stopped today and it won't. But if the league stopped today and that that was the final four for that group. Good luck picking two to make it through to Coventry. I wouldn't want to put money on that. I genuinely, (laughs) genuinely wouldn't. But um, you know what? I, I get the feeling that we may see possible with what you've just said, jostling for position. Coming up soon. And I know that's not really, you know, like sporting and all that, but it does happen. Uh, I'm sure there are many, many coaches in leagues that have playoff systems like ours up and down the country who have done this before, have jostled for position. I don't really want to be in that group. If I drop a place, I avoid that group and I've put somebody else in that group. Or if I, you know, if I manage to get up a place, I avoid that group. It is that group. I mean, it's horrible. And I don't really think anybody who gets into that group is going to be thinking, yeah, we're going to Coventry. Certainly yeah. not until the uh, the final whistle, the final buzzer of the final period of the final game. I don't think you could say anybody from that group is a nailed on certainty for Coventry. No, and, it, and as you say, then you add in the intrigue of Sunday's games. Obviously, we make the trip up to uh, Essex to take on the Raiders. You've then got Milton Keynes against Basingstoke. You've got Peterborough against Swindon. So let's just put this into perspective here. Say the Tigers beat the Wildcats on Saturday. Swindon stay on 60 points. Peterborough beat the Steel Dogs. They move to 56 points. Then the next night in Peterborough, again, the Phantoms beat the Wildcats. The Phantoms would find themselves two points behind the Wildcats with a game in hand. It's, like, I mean, it's so intriguing. It is so intriguing. And, you know, I, I'm just thinking, like, last year, the league was almost... Done. 
uh, well, it was almost done by this point, wasn't it? Like the eight teams, the eight teams for the the playoffs were all decided and everything, and that's all good. But I think this year we're seeing that the the differences between the teams are, you know, the, the, there's obviously a table that's based on a lot of statistical and factual information. But as we proved on Saturday and on Sunday, any team can be any team on the on the night. And I think that's going to make this year's playoffs even more exciting because there's always been historically in the EPL, in the NIHL Britain, there's always been that expectation, hasn't there, that bar a huge upset, you'll know when the groups are decided which two are going to Coventry. Now, we've mentioned if the league stops today, there is one particularly rough group uh, to be in. But I think in either group, it's going to be hard to call in either group, however the tables finish, because we know any team can beat any team or any team can lose to any team on the given night. And the playoffs is only a short series to qualify for Coventry. So. Somebody like Adam Goss, for example, will be crucial. If he can keep himself in good form heading up to uh, Coventry, then or heading up to the playoffs, rather, then, you know, that is absolutely brilliant for us because it's, it's all alive, isn't it? There is so much to play for, and it's all well alive in that final push. I mean, obviously, yep. a big weekend for yep. us this weekend. But even when you get past that and you finish the regular season, there's a big push to make because I think any team that qualifies for the playoffs will believe we can make Coventry because it is so close. Yep. No, I fully agree. And this, uh, sorry, just to round up the fixtures from the week, Chiefs v Steel Dogs, so a, a Yorkshire battle there, and then Pirates v Tigers as well. And even that, mate, that's an intriguing one. Say the Phantoms drop both their games. The Pirates find themselves a point off the uh, the Phantoms then. And they've got a game in hand. Like, it is so... There's going to be so much intrigue to go into this one to the end of the season. And as you also rightly say, like, it's great that we have these battles. I'm delighted we're at a league table format for the playoffs rather than a knockout, rather than a... um, Rather than one plays eight, two v seven. Like, I get there's some enjoyment. But the leagues, the league, that little group stage is so exciting. We've not had it for years, even in the EPL. We didn't have it for years. So I'm really excited to see how this pans out because those little series of games, like you think over the last uh, three weekends, okay, the, the B's record stands at four wins and two defeats. And one of those defeats was only a, like 55 seconds away from being yeah. an overtime defeat or an overtime win, like, and that is against the teams that sit in first, second, third, and fifth in the table. Mm. Like, it, it's incredible. And that is yeah. why this weekend, against the Raiders, this dual header, we have 10 games to go in the season. Before we get on Four of them are against weekend, the Raiders. Go on. Before we get on to this weekend, while we're talking about playoffs, I am A, bemused, B, angry. Playoffs. Why is that, Mark? Why, is Why am Mark? I angry? Right. Playoffs, as you say, are a league system this time, which means that you will play each team in your group of four, home and away. The final uh, day in which the Bs would be playing, if we do qualify, is Sunday the 12th of April. Uh, this is uh, obviously Easter weekend. Now, I am reading right now the EIHA press release on the NIHL 1 Britain finals, which says the semi-finals on Saturday, April the 11th, will face off at 3.15 and 6.45 p.m. The highest-seeded finalist in the... The highest-seeded finalist will play in the first semi-final. The grand final is on Sunday, April the 12th. There is no mention of time in that. When you read the Bracknell Hornets press release, they have mentioned that they will have what would be the B slot for the NIHL 1 Britain playoff final. Well, no, absolutely not, in my opinion. I just want to say I don't have a say in this, but in my opinion, in any other sport, where would you get a league that's one beneath dictating to the one above how and where they play? There is absolutely no reason that, um, and I'm just throwing this out there, I've not even said this to you or to Doug or to anybody, 
There's absolutely no reason why that Britain conference final couldn't face off at, say, 1.30 or 2 o'clock. Offer people a ticket deal. If you've got your ticket for that, you can then watch the Bees play whoever on that day, if indeed we do get to play on that day. But at the moment, we, as it stands according to the Hornets, have to bow down to the league beneath us when they could easily play their game earlier on in the day. That makes me bemused as to how this has been allowed to happen and angry that it appears that it has been allowed to happen according to the Hornets press release. Meanwhile, the EIHA press release does not mention a time on the Sunday. So who has decided this time? Um, I, I can tell you right now it's been decided by the EIH, EIHA. Um, assurances were given to the Bretnell Bees organisation that we would be able to have our ice time on that Sunday, especially with how the fixtures fall out. It would end up being a Sunday game for us as our preferred home fixture day. And assurances were given that, I, that from the EIHA that that slot would be available for the Bretnell Bees to play in. Since conversations have occurred elsewhere within the IHA and the John Knight Nezure Group Group um, and other associated parties with the organisation of what I hope will be a successful weekend for all involved. And yeah, a decision has been made that the, the face-off time on that playoff game will be 5.30. There, has, there are plenty of discussions taking place right now about the Bees that weekend. It may fall into favour because it is Easter weekend, so there is the potential for Good Friday to come into play. But OK, I'll give you the two teams in our group right now. We have the Telford Tigers and we have the Hull Pirates. Which one of them is going to want to make a long trip down on a Friday down to the well, south exactly. because of what the EIHA have decided? I agree with you the Bretnell Bees organization will not say it publicly um, because we, we are doing the right thing but there are some very disgruntled people behind the scenes with how all this has played out from certain members of the IHA and from certain members of the league management committee no one is covering themselves in glory on this one unfortunately um, well, and this, I mean, is, this is the thing like we we're completely hamstrung. It's completely brilliant that the Hornets and Bracknell Ice Rink is considered as a place to host these events. And maybe in years gone by, Bees teams wouldn't have qualified for the playoffs. But this year, there was a good chance the Bees were going to qualify for the playoffs. As a result, this date should always have been left free for the Bracknell Bees to play because they are a playoff team. Last year, they made the final four at Coventry. So for me, the this all falls on the IHA. I think the IHA were being very coy in their press release by not announcing a game time. And when you're the Hornets organization and you've got to start selling tickets to this game, of course you've got to announce when the game is. You can't sit there and go to fans, buy your tickets for Sunday. We don't know when you're going to be facing off yet. Like yeah. they've got, they've got to sell a product. They've got to sell a product to the fans. They're selling some great deals with the Copper Beach Hotel. They're making like... The blame is not there. The blame is not there No, the blame is not there. But what I will say is we are the senior team within Bracknell Ice Rink. End of. We are also the senior league or playing in the senior league within the IHA. End of. This situation is flat out nonsensical rubbish. Sorry, I put my microphone down to have a drink because I was getting so <laughs> angry about it. Um, but yeah, it is. It, it, it doesn't make sense. The IHA have put them... And this is sometimes the problem I have with... Um, um, this is sometimes the problem I have with it, is that there are people who are very happy to boot the IHA and there's people who are happy to stick to stick the claw in. And I, look, I understand it. I get it. But so many times with the IHA, it's of their own doing. It's not like they stumble on a situation that goes wrong. So many times, these problems are of their own doing. And this is a prime example. This is easily something the IHA could have resolved by doing something different. They could have gone to a different rink. They could have, who knows, they could have gone Good Friday, Saturday, left it free for the Sunday for the league. Like, there are so many options. You've got to think in the North, there is a similar situation with the Sheffield Steel Dogs. Um, yeah. And they've got the similar situation as well. Like, this is where there's a little bit of, you want a little bit of reality to be grasped by the EIHA and to actually not bury their head in the sand on problems. If you've got a problem like this and you've got an issue like this, confront it, come up with a problem, come up with a solution. Obviously, they've made an appointment to the board of a non-executive guy that looks quite a fascinating 
person to bring in. If they bring new ideas, if they're able to liven up. Look, there are some very good people who work for the IHA. There are some very good people who have got their hearts in the right place. There is also a lot that needs to change in that organisation for it to be a modern sporting governing body. Well, this is not a problem they've stumbled upon. This is a problem they have created. That's that's the, the issue here. Every now and then things will happen and you have to come up with a solution for them. Um, you know, like the ending of the EPL, the EIHA had to come up with a solution. And instead of coming up with a solution, they went one size fits all. And it did affect NIHL 1. Uh, you saw NIHL 1 stalwarts drop down because they felt they couldn't compete. And that was not the greatest day the EIHA ever announced the merging of the EPL and the NIHL 1. Um, arguably, you could say, yeah, you, do you know what? You should have known Manchester were going to fold because they had like had problems before. Taggart had come out with his, you know, all is well in the IHA. All the teams are well in the EPL. All the teams are well. And I predict this league is in a great position and will keep going. And then within a month of that, the Manchester Phoenix folded. That is a situation, however, though, that was thrown upon the EIHA. This is a situation that the EIHA have created. So it's not a problem that's been put in front of them. It's one that they have created. And I think in any sport, the senior league gets the preferential treatment. And that's the way it is. I know that this is a finals weekend and I know it is important to the NHL one Britain teams. As you say, there were other solutions. Hold it in a different rink, hold it on Friday and Saturday, or play the final as a 1.30 face-off or a 2 o'clock face-off on the Sunday and offer a ticket deal, you know, approach the BC if they'll do a ticket deal so the uh, people that watch the NIHL 1 Britain playoff final then get to stay on and watch the, the Bs as well if they want to. There were many solutions to this problem, and the EIHA have either not considered them or not implemented them and instead have created a problem. Yeah, and, and as I say, that's sometimes just what the, EH, the IHA unfortunately does. It just creates these problems for themselves, then doesn't isn't able to find a solution to their problems, and you just sometimes sit there and you, you just go, guys, there's an easy way out of this. There's an easy way. Communicate, talk it through, work it out, and look, I have my I, I do have my frustrations with the IHA on many things. Like we've sat here on the podcast and we've gone, okay, what's gonna be the average for a ban this year? Could it be four games? Like that's when there is the disparity in the uh in the processes of these things. And then halfway through the season, we mentioned it the other week. All of a sudden you can now appeal a match penalty on a Saturday and get it overturned so a player can play on a Sunday. Why are you changing the rules of the competition? And don't doubt me, it's still the right thing to happen. But you don't change it midway the through the time. season. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I'm not, and this is where you sit there and you go, "Why would you create that stick to be beaten with?" And like, see that pro- one. That one is like they've stumbled upon the correct situation totally by mistake. This one is like they have created a problem and now don't have a solution. And it, I mean, it's just this is the governing body of the second, third, and fourth tier of hockey in this country. This is the governing body of junior hockey in this country. And yet, oh, I'm just going to say, and yet, time and time again, incompetence shows through, okay. in my opinion. Yep. And now this is, where, this is always the interesting point. And um, what I'm going to say here is, 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 is one, of, one of my big bugbears with this. Um, and I'll ask it. Okay. If you weren't involved with a club, Mark, would you get involved with the IHA? If they said, we're looking for board members, we're looking for people who can come in and help step up the IHA. Would you give up your time and become an EIHA board member? Well, you see, I've said this before, before I answer your question, I have said this before. The NIHL national is most definitely a semi-professional league. The NIHL One Britain is, to be fair, a semi-professional league. Some teams are spending quite a bit of money on their rosters. And I'm just not enough in touch with the NIHL Two this season to say whether it is or whether it isn't. And my thoughts on this have been that, yeah, I appreciate a lot of 
voluntary time goes into running ice hockey in this country. And that's great. But is it running it well? And is it instead that the, uh, is it time that the EIHA is run on a more professional basis in order to get the sport run professionally without absolute mess up situations like we have this time? Going back to your question, would yeah. I? Um, <laughs> I honestly don't know because obviously, like there are there are boards and there are committees and everything. And I guess you know if you go in there, you're going to be banging your head on a brick wall, aren't you? Sometimes thinking, well, this is just plain common sense, and like you're all voting me down. So it would be, I would imagine, quite a challenge. Um, with the with the two facts that I put in, the fact that I think it should at least have some form of professional paid administration in there. And with the, the banging of the head on the complete nonsensical decisions and directives that still come out, would I is a really, really, really difficult question. <laughs> so um, that was a no then. Uh, we well, can, no, I'm not, we, we I'm not saying it's a no. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a no because then... If every right, the IHA aren't going to change, are they? They're sitting on a massive cash reserve, according to their financial statements, but they don't seem to want to spend it. Um, but if everybody, and there are some brilliant people in ice hockey, let's be honest, up and down the country, not just in Bracknell, there are some brilliant people. But if everybody was to say, I'm not getting involved, then the status quo maintains, doesn't it? Exactly. So it is a tricky one. At some point in time, somebody has to stick their hand up and say, Hey, yeah, do you know what? I will come on board. But I mean, I, I probably would do it on the proviso that I'm not just going to be there sitting there ratifying your nonsensical decisions like this playoff weekend stuff. <laughs> that would be my proviso of doing it. Now, how about you? Now that I've rambled uh, on for go. minutes and minutes and I'm, my anger levels are rising, what about you? Uh, yes. If, if, but the, the challenge is I would have to have uh, stepped away from. I'd not stepped away from the sport, stepped away from being involved in running a club. I don't believe there should be any biased in terms of I'm looking after this and I'm, I run a club. I have a hand in a club. I have relationships with those closely involved with the clubs. Like you need to be as separate as you can be, but still love the sport. Um, but yeah, I, I, if, if that day ever comes where it's like, okay, there is an opportunity and like the opportunity to use the skills that, you have in your professional life and there's instantly things from my professional life I can instantly see that would help improve the IHA and what it needs to do <clears throat> the website um, but well, that, yeah. <laughs> but this is the and, and <clears throat> communication and <clears throat> the media but that, that yeah and <clears throat> you know leadership but all these sort of things that you sit there and you go okay I would do it I would want to have some time away I, I personally I would need to broaden my horizons uh, i'm very much uh huh, stupid thing to say an elitist when it comes to the, the iha and that really my involvement has only been at a national or an epl or an iha one south level I, I i'm not across the junior development programs i'm not across uh the rec hockey side i'm not across those sides but yeah if if someone if someone from the iha ever turned around and said hey We'd like your advice. We'd, what do you think? Would you like to come on board and try and help out? And provided I've not been involved at a club or have not got irons in the fire anywhere, absolutely, because the bottom line is we need to improve this sport in this country. We need to improve access in this country. We need to improve visibility of this sport in this country. And importantly, we need to improve governance in this country as well. Yeah. And if there is an opportunity to make an impact, and I get what you say in terms of Oh, you could just be sat there banging your head and hitting your head on the wall and it'd be frustrating and all that. And I get that because that's exactly what a bad culture is. When you've got people in an organization who are trying to push things forward and all they're doing is they're hitting against resistance and they end up banging their head repeatedly against the wall. It becomes very difficult to drive a positive culture uh, oh, into, an, into an organization. And we in our heads can tick off so many of them when you think of this, where we've worked in other places this is the thing you've got to talk and this is the thing like but the only way it's going to change is by bringing that contagious energy to these organizations and actually going you know what there are, as you say there's great people within the, I the iha there's probably great untapped resource within the iha as well where yeah. people aren't able to fulfill their whole potential within these things they do an amazing job 
but they could do an incredible job. But 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 as a result, they're wasting sixty percent of their time just banging their heads against a wall. Like this is so. Yeah, that the long the, the short answer is yes, and and there there is a couple of provisos on it because. I do believe there is a very big role for the IHA in this country. There is a massive role for the NIHL as it stands in this country as well. There's a massive role in making sure we have a good position to, it's very important we're retaining players across female and male sports and giving opportunities to play at the best level that these people can play at and at standards that they're happy to play at. There's a lot of work. And my fear in the IHA is I feel that it's going to fall on less and less people as time rolls on. Mm. Because as you say, people aren't going to, people, people just don't step up and support these things anymore as much as they used to. And I'm just like, you know what, if it came to it and, and things change, say this all ends in Bracknell, I have a couple of years away to sort of think and, and do all that stuff. And then someone says, you know what, Graham, we'd like you to come potentially get involved with this or come ask an opinion on this or, Look, we know that you work with it for one of the world's leading media companies. Is there any guidance or support you could offer us that might just give us a little bit of an insight yeah. into what we can do? Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you've got to give back. At the end, it's why we do what we do for Bracknell and why we've done what we've done for other clubs at Basingstoke and Slough for years. You, 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 if you've got a skill, the best thing you can do to help that that's wherever you are that business that culture that club that team grow is to utilize your skills to be able to drive those products forward i have gone on record before in the basingstoke bison program when i used to write for that and on my own blog on my own website and i said that the epl in order to be successful had to branch away from the amateur EIHA and go to almost an elite league too. go under the elite league and the more commercial and more professional arm. Uh, and then that's with no disrespect to the, any of the EIHA volunteers, but I thought that the EPL had outgrown the governance of the EIHA who are amazing with like, you know, the rec hockey and the junior hockey and stuff like that. But the other thing I'd like to say, if I go back a little while now in history, Gary Stephan became GM of the BNL, the British National League. And straight away, Gary brought in a league sponsor, the Findus British National League. The, the Wickham family, Phil and Leslie, were excellent with the media. Each club at the end of every game had a media sheet to fill in. They had to fill this in. Uh, and this is how far back we're going, and fax it off. On that media sheet, you had uh, a couple of uh, highlights from the game uh, written down, this was, because this was long before the days of video. You had a couple of highlights from the game written down. You had a comment from each coach written down, and that was sent off to the league, and then Phil and Leslie Wickham, the league's media team at the BNL, would get something out to the magazines to power play, of course, in the day, and you would also see stuff on CFAX as well. Now, obviously, since those days, a lot has changed. Clubs all have their own websites now as well. But there is virtually no media output from the EIHA. I get that hockey is a tiny, tiny minority sport. Now, for us, it's our weekend's entertainment. For the country, there are many, many people in the UK who have no idea ice hockey is played here. They may even be aware of yep. the NHL, but they have no idea it's played here. And upon whom does that fall to sort that out? The governing body. But where is their media? Their website is not up to standard. Their media output is not up to standard. Why is there not somebody at the league saying, it's compulsory that you guys all film your games for at least discipline purposes, send in your footage and we will get league-wide highlights put together. Now, I know obviously that's going to create copyright situations and heaven forbid we go back to a Telford situation where one DVD had to be scratched before. <laughs> but, you know, I do think, you know, if you're just going to show like a couple of goals from each game uh, in a league-wide highlights and say on Saturday, the Bees played the Tigers, bang, bang, couple of goals. The Bison played the Wildcats. Bang, bang, couple of goals. If you're just going to say that, then you're not taking anything away from the highlights product that each team is then free to put out if they choose. 
But again, that's an opportunity that's being missed. And it, there are just so many opportunities screaming out to be taken to drive and push this sport forward, but they're just not happening. And that, to me, is a worry. And as we've both said, if nobody gets involved, it'll get no better. I would get involved, but on the proviso that I would not just be banging my head against a brick wall or ratifying utter nonsense. <laughs> and there is the answer. And I've been waiting all podcasts. It's taken us uh, until about the 48-minute mark for the kids. You might need to ask your grandparents about this one. CFAX was this week's reference for uh, yeah. <laughs> not asking All right, here parents. we go, Graham. <laughs> Trivia question for you. CFAX was the BBC. What was ITV? Uh, unfortunately, I know this one because it was Teletext because I've got so many friends and colleagues that actually worked on Teletext. And before Teletext, what was it when it oh. launched? Go on. God, this is where I'm struggling. I'll give you a clue. It begins with an O. With an uh, Oracle. Yes. Oh, Ask me, the Oracle. That was the TV adverts for... ITV's teletech service was Ask the Oracle. Now, there's, there's two things we need to talk about here. One is Bamboozle the Quiz, which was a real highlight. And, and kids, you think you have interactive fun on your phones now. Uh, imagine a quiz where all you had was a quiz that came up on screen and you had four answers and you had to press the red, the green, the blue or the yellow button. And if you got oh, it wrong, ad, it went back to the start of, of the quiz. Text. Yes. <laughs> what times? And secondly, with Teletext, um, this is this, this is some very strange memories. That, but this was a thing, kids. Uh, CFAX in Vision. So when you used to turn oh, on yes. BBC Two at about even like seven o'clock in the morning, six seven o'clock in the morning, well, all yeah. you would have is the Teletext screens play through with a little bit of music in the background. Copyright-free music, wasn't it? <laughs> you think the music that we play on the Bees Radio Network in the period breaks is copyright-free. You should wait to see what CFAX InVision is like. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't know if it's on there. I've never looked for it or not. But um, if, you are, if you are interested, try and YouTube CFAX InVision because this is news for you kids. Back in the day, TV, and for that matter, radio, was not 24-hour. And you would have the... Uh, you would have the national anthem at the end of the day's programming before going to the test card, which would then fade away to nothing. And then in the morning, when it came back, you would have CFAX in vision before the programming started. Those were the days, eh? But for those of you who don't know, I'm currently also laughing because we've uh, just tweeted out, a few people were asking us earlier in the week, where's the podcast? And we tweeted out a picture of the recording. And I just want to reply to them all and go, at this moment, you're probably going to regret the fact that you've been asking where the podcast is as we start talking about CFAX and teletext. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? Like, if, if nothing else, this has been educational. Oh. Exactly. One, one. History teachers everywhere, Dave. If you know any history teachers, <laughs> they'll be grateful for this episode now. There'll modern be, history. The mo modern history of CFAX and Teletext and Bamboozle. And, well, and also, um, the, the great thing about Teletext was, uh, sorry, CFAX, was the ice hockey scores were on something like 386 or 3, like really deep into... But it wasn't just you typed in 386 and there'd only be one page on that. There could be 10 pages. Yeah, and so the ice hockey. Well, that's where the match reports came <laughs> yeah. in, wasn't it? So the ice hockey. You had the scores, didn't you? you? Had the scores on the first page, then the league table, <laughs> and then you had the match reports. And, and the thing with CFAX was, if you scrolled onto this page, you could perhaps pick it up on page four of eight, and you'd be thinking. <laughs> I only want to know what the league table is, or I only want to know like what my team's result was, because in those days, of course, you didn't have Facebook and Twitter to get the results from. Uh, the, the the best thing about that is, as well, is that you'd be waiting for you, so you'd be on four of eight, and you you know two of eight is the league table, so you'd be sat there patiently waiting to get to two of eight, and then two of eight might load, and it'd just have glitches all over the yeah. screen so you wouldn't be able to actually work out who was where in the league or anything like that and you knew you had to wait right another two minutes it will come round again I'll be able to finally find out where the Humberside Hawks are in the league See? do you remember the um, there used to be I can't remember what it was called but there used to be a number that used to dial it was a premium rate number oh, 0890 yeah it was like a club, club call. call that was it yeah I mean I had to update that a few times and you'd like finish the <laughs> You finish the first period and you'd run up to the office and frantically dial away and you'd be like, hello, this is Mark reporting from Slough. And in the, <laughs> at the end of the first period, the score is, and this happened and that happened, and we'll be back with more after the second period. And, the thing about and that was how people kept up in those days because there was no Twitter, 
There were no live radio streams. There were no live video streams. That was how you kept up if you weren't at a game. And the thing about club callers as well, it used to charge like 60p per minute, which is unbelievable. So as a result, there was no point on club call doing a really good update that would be like these days. You want to make it short. You want to make it snackable. You want to make it shareable. In those days, you drag a report out like five, six minutes because that's going to cost someone three pounds and you've made a load of money for your club. Just think when we turn around to you guys on the Bees Radio Network, podcast and we'd ask if you subscribe for as little as five or six dollars a month it doesn't seem that bad really compared to the days of club call no it cost you what like 18 quid wouldn't it to uh, keep up to date on a game and that was just by getting period end updates that was great back in the day goodness me i mean we say back in the day it was only about 20 not even 20 years ago 20 years ago busby still had his uh, Bratnell website but before that we're probably rolling it back uh, a little bit further than that 30 years ago or so now anyway yeah. um well let's look forward to should this. we look at this weekend <laughs> let's roll the clock forward should we get back on topic yeah. i mean that was a little bit of a sidetrack but yes the raiders this weekend a absolutely huge weekend pivotal weekend 10 games to go in the league campaign the bees holding on to eighth place by one spot but there are four games to come against the Raiders. There's also a game against Leeds. So of the last five games of the season, sorry, the last 10 games of the season, half of them involve the teams at the bottom of this table. This weekend, we know what the Raiders bring. They are a dangerous team. They are a great team to watch and they have got the run on us this season. It has to be said, they've had a very strong showings that have done the job. Obviously, we're beginning to see Michael Gray come back into net as well, but you never know. It might be Ethan James. It might be Greg Blaze who backs up. So, lot to look forward to there. They made an early change in the season as well with their imports and brought in Eric Piatak, and he now leads the scoring for the Raiders as well, although the likes of Aaron Connolly and Blaslav Novak are not far behind. It's a really shared-out scoring in that uh, Raiders outfit it's not like one guy's run away at the top of the leaderboard it really is they're all very tightly combusted in there and that really shows what they are they are a team we said at the start of the season is this a team with superstars and you got hammered by Raiders fans because they didn't quite understand what you were saying they're not a team of superstars they're not a team of individual superstars but what they've got is a great work effort as a unit and as a result it makes them quite difficult to break down yeah on paper um, on paper, this is a four-point weekend for the Bees, on paper. Ice hockey is not paid on paper, as Swindon Wildcats fans of many years. Unfortunately, they've by. now managed to transfer but it from the paper to the ice. They have <laughs> transferred it from paper now to the ice, yeah. But for many, many years, like the Wildcats always went in, didn't they, at the start of the season? Well, on paper, it's the Wildcats. And it never was until now when they have turned it around. But on paper... This is a four-point weekend for the Bees. On paper, the playoff spot is the Bees. But as you mentioned, the Raiders have done a number over the Bees on many occasions this time around because they can come together and they have just enough superstars in there with a fantastic support to make them a team that can turn other teams over. And let's not forget that whilst we are scrapping away with the Raiders for that final playoff spot, in the defence of the Raiders as well, they've played a lot of the season this season without their first or second choice netminder as well. And I think that shows that while on paper their roster is not a roster that's going to win you many points in the fantasy league, it is a roster that comes together, that plays well together, gels well together, plays for each other, competes well and gets points. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's so many players I love watching on this Raiders outfit. Jake Sylvester, Sam Baldock, for example. There's your starter for 10. Two exciting young talents. I just, look, they step out on the ice and you just enjoy watching them play because you know they've got so much talent. And also Sean Easton coaching gives them that room also to explode. Ross Connolly as well uh, on defense. He's impressed me the two games when, um, well, the two of the games that they've played here and really has caught my eye. And look, you, you, you've got to take nothing away from the Raiders. Have the Raiders decided to target these games against the Bees and gone, you know what? We know we're not going to beat a lot of teams in this league, but if we try and run the Bees in their season series and we beat that season series, we're probably going to make the playoffs. We'll pick up enough points elsewhere. Because at the moment, I think it's three and one to them. The Raiders must be absolutely delighted with that and where that's at. And I do just wonder if, if that's kind of been their game plan on this. If they've actually thought, you know what? The best thing we can do is just beat the Bees in this series. Comfortably win this series. We'll pick up enough games elsewhere that we'll make the playoffs. Well, 
it may very well be that. But, you know, they have thrown out a few shocks elsewhere across the season. I call them shocks, but uh, I did say earlier, didn't I, that any team can beat any team. But if you go on the, the form books and that, there are games that the Raiders have won so far this season that you would put down as a shock. Now, I would much rather be Doug Shepard right now than Sean Easton for the simple fact that we have eighth and they have ninth. It's ours to lose right now, whereas the Raiders have nothing to lose. And that also gives them a little bit of a, a spur on, doesn't it? In that you're playing with nothing to lose. If you lose this weekend to the Bees as the Raiders, you're pretty much saying, all right, ninth is now massive, massively an outside, uh, an outside possibility for us now. On the other hand, if the Raiders target this weekend, as you say, and say, right, do you know what? We're going to give 100% this weekend. It's vital we get these four points and we'll back ourselves to pick up enough either wins or overtime losses in the rest of the season to keep the bees beneath us. This game, this weekend is massive for both teams, you know. Whilst a lot of the focus will be on the Tigers and the Wildcats and who takes that inaugural title, for us, this is a massive, massive weekend. There are many weekends left in the season still, but this is probably the biggest one because this effectively is an eight-point swing weekend, and it's huge. I, you know, I cannot emphasize how big this weekend is. And if you are a Patreon subscriber who's listened to the podcast all season and you've listened to Bees Radio Network all season and you maybe have moved away from the hive but you're still a Bees fan, seriously, get petrol in your car this weekend and get to the hive because this is a massive, massive, almost season-making or breaking weekend. And again, if you are free on Sunday, head down to the Sapphire again because, you know, the more the merrier. Hello, Steve. Um, The more the merrier and the more noise, of course, that you make will all help to support the bees this weekend. So this, I mean, this is probably the weekend of the season, I'd say. Yeah, the juices are flying inside me already looking forward to this one because, look, they come around every so often and like there's going to be some more big weekends to come. But really, this could be season defining this weekend. And I'm sure the guys are going to be up for it. Look, the way they've performed pretty much since the turn of the year, really. I mean, I know that the form book might not tell you, but the performances and the effort that have been put on the ice, they're leaving nothing on the ice. And as a result, we're beginning to see some real positivity I feel and I think last weekend at the Hive another great crowd another great night for the school zone um, and I, I just look if you can get to the Hive get to the Hive because and if you can get to the Hive Mark we'll, we'll round this up very nicely here but how can fans stay up to date with everything and how can they get tickets before for I tell you that oh, here he before goes. I tell you that I'm going to ask you a question oh okay? hello hello like Which... this, is, this has been a running game here hasn't it yeah. because I keep dropping questions to you I know so I thought I'd get my own back. <laughs> Which camp would you rather be in heading into this weekend? The team with everything to lose, with eighth spot and the possibility of losing it, or the team that's in ninth spot with absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain? Which camp would you rather be in? Now, I know the obvious answer is the bees camp in eighth place, but then you're under the pressure to defend it. So which one for you? Oh, I'd rather be the Raiders in the same way I'd rather have been the bees up until this weekend. Like, let's go into last weekend. You were talking about three points. Confidently, quietly, we might have been thinking about three, hopefully four points. Um, but at the same time, we're still three points off eighth place. The Raiders pick up two wins. Doesn't matter what we've done against the Tigers. They've still hold the advantage. So you've got nothing to lose, really. You can throw it all out on the ice. And the last time when we were sat in this position and I turned around and said about the bees, I said, that's it. We're not going to lose eighth place again this season. We dropped it the next weekend. <laughs> yeah. Like, the- well, it's difficult, isn't it? And the other thing here is there are a lot of players that have come through, uh, maybe playing for the Bees historically, maybe playing for the Hornets or in the juniors and watching the Bees. There are a lot of players here that will be thinking, you know, like we're not really a traditional playoff team. And there is a lot of pressure now, isn't there? You know, like I know that we are the team in the ascendancy with eight spots but we're the ones with something to lose from this weekend as well. And I do fear 
that that is going to add just a little ripple of pressure through the roster this weekend because we really have everything to lose. We could be finished a month on from this weekend if this weekend does not go well. Alternatively, if this weekend does go well, it'll be the Raiders who are thinking, all right, that's it, we're finishing a month from this weekend. So the Raiders have nothing and therefore have nothing to lose. The Bees have that vital spot at the moment and have it all to lose. It is such a tricky one, isn't it, this weekend? It is such a tricky one, but the way it can be made less tricky is if there's a big crowd at the Hive on Saturday and if you can't make it a big support on social media. So how can fans stay up to date with all the latest from the Bees and get more important tickets for Saturday's encounter? As always, our website has information on it. That is bracknellbees.com. Our social media, you will find that. What's so oh, funny about that? I just that? to the IHA there, but anyway, move on. <laughs> well, it, well, it is. It is, and it's navigatable. Um, and it's mobile responsive, too. Our website, bracknellbees.com. Our social media, if you're on Facebook, then it's Bees Ice Hockey. If you're on Twitter, it's Bees Ice Hockey. Give us a like, give us a follow. If you're on Instagram, the Bracknell Bees, again, give us a like on there. Tickets are available over the telephone in advance. Away fans should book for block four and or five. Telephone number is 01344 Or if you'd like to book them online, ah. skate.bracknell.com. <laughs> 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 no! If you'd like to book them online, uh, it's skate.jnlbracknell.co.uk. Well, there we are. Nobody will ever notice that. Out uh, other than the fact that you announced it, well, that I messed it up, but nobody ever on Instagram it. last week. Pull out, you can go to the Bracknell Bees website at bracknellbees.co.uk and then just started hitting his head against a brick wall when he realised what a stupid mistake he had made. Whoever would oh, make yes. an error like that? Well, if you're experiencing hitting your head against the brick wall, the IHA may be looking for new board members. Oh, the Head Brick Society, what we like to see. Mark, pleasure as ever. We'll wrap it up there. Um, we certainly, we might have been late, but we've definitely been long. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking actually, like, you know, people hitting their heads against uh, brick walls and that. You know, like, obviously, so sorry about this if you are a fan. When the Phoenix folded, did they <laughs> hit their heads walls, against brick walls had. or virtual brick walls? <laughs> The well, virtual all the old ones today. Mark, pleasure as ever, buddy. And to all thank of you, you, Graham. Thank you very it was much a pleasure, mate. Support of the Bees Radio Network. We'll be back a little bit earlier next week with a little bit of luck pending any illness. But until then, from each of us here, uh, we're looking forward to seeing what Mark's going to play us out. We've got no clue whatsoever. <laughs> until next time. <laughs> <laughs>